Awesome. Yeah, do be praying for Judith, but pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) You're multitask. Father, we thank you so much for this uh, day that you've given us. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are just so real and that you do miracles and that you work wonders. And God, this morning, we still want to press in and believe that you would heal, that you would set free, that you would deliver this morning because there is nothing that you can't do. So God, would you open our, our eyes and our ears and our hearts to hear and receive from you this morning? We want all that you've got for us, Jesus, and we don't want to settle for anything less. And so Jesus, we give our hearts to you afresh, and we say, speak to us, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just like, uh, like tap the person's ear next to you and just say, speak, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Come on. Don't slap them. Oh no. Oh dear. (laughs) Brilliant. Let's turn then to John chapter 4. And we're going to read this beautiful story about Jesus and this woman of Samaria. So we're going to read the story from verse 1 through to verse 30. So if you've got your Bibles or an app or whatever it is, let's read together. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the fields that Jacob had given to his, to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, or noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. 
Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with the woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. It's a really interesting story about this dialogue Jesus has with this woman. And he's trying to explain something supernatural to her, but she can't quite get it. She's still processing it with her natural mind. Jesus is offering living water, talking about the spirit of God as we later see in the book of John, but she's too bothered about whether or not he has a bucket because she's still thinking about physical water. He's trying to reveal something to her, but she's not quite getting it. And so they go throughout the conversation, and then Jesus says something really interesting in verse 16. He kind of switches from trying to explain and elaborate something, and then says something really personal. Go get your husband and come back. And then at this point, she's like, okay, you're clearly a man of God. There's something more to you. But she doesn't still quite get it. She's like, okay, so where are we supposed to worship then? You say we worship here, we're supposed to worship. What is it? Tell me. And he goes on to explain that at some point, neither of these things will matter because it's all fulfilled in me. And true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth, not at a particular location. She still doesn't get it. And she's like, one day the Christ will come and he'll tell us everything. I'm not quite sure what you're on about. And then in a mic drop moment, Jesus is like, I am him. So dramatic, and then it kind of cuts to the next scene. I'm like, wow. But when we go back to verse this, this verse um, 16, and she and he asks her this really, really personal question. When he then says, "This is who I am," something clicks in this woman's mind. It's like, and the report that she takes back to her hometown in verse 39 is this: Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So he's explained all this, and in her mind, the Samaritans believed in the first five books of the Bible, so they knew that there was a Messiah coming, but they kind of didn't bother with the rest of the prophets. So she knew he was coming at some point. She didn't recognize it was him. And as he reveals that he knows who she is, that he sees her, for who she is. Her testimony, she comes back, is, oh my goodness, come see this man who told me everything I ever did. Come see this man who actually knows me. Could this be the Christ? It impacted her so much that she had a personal encounter with Jesus. Jesus came to save many, but yet in the crowd, he still knows your name. 
He knows who you are. He's not a God who is far off, who cannot be touched. He is a God who came down in human, vulnerable flesh and sees the one, who calls the one by name, who knows everything she ever did, and it wasn't great, but yet from that place, he invites her into relationship with him. He is a personal, personal savior. We see this earlier in John, John chapter one, when Jesus calls his first disciples and um, Philip says to Nathaniel, quick, come see, come see this man from Nazareth, Jesus. I think he's the one, I think he's the Messiah. And Nathaniel's like, oh, could anything good come out of Nazareth? And as he's going towards Jesus, Jesus sees him. And before Nathaniel can get up close, he's like, behold, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And Nathaniel says, how did you know me? That was his response. Jesus says, while you were still sat under the fig tree, I saw you. And then Nathaniel says, you are the Christ. You are the king. That's his response. There is something so powerful that happens in that moment as Jesus recognizes and calls out who we are. And he does that before we ever knew him. Before we ever knew him or wanted to know him, he knew us. Just let that sink in for a minute. Jesus knows everything about you. Absolutely everything. And he loves you unconditionally and he invites you into a relationship with him not from a distance but by calling your name this um jumper of mine i've had since i was about 11 is that right mom 11 12 she's not listening to me about 11 12 (laughs) yeah somewhere there anyway so richard was right i really haven't grown much still fits um but I had it, and, and, and I, had it, I got it when I went to boarding school in Zambia. These were like the school colors, and, and of course, it has my name in it. It's my name. Can you all see it? The Kendall? Yes. It was like the thing to do. It was like all trendy. It was like, yeah, I have a jumper with my name on it. Uh, but primarily, it was so that if it went missing, you would know who it was for. And I was the only Lakunda in the school up until like another one came, and then she was like Lakunda number two, but it's okay. It's fine. She didn't have her name on her jumper. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this is, this is my jumper. And, and when people saw me, they're like, yep, that's Lakundo. We know who she is. Well, we know her, but if they didn't know my name, now they knew my name. So we're up and about hustling and bustling, but they could tell who I was because it was loud and clear written on me. And you know, in the midst of a crowd, Jesus knows exactly who you are. And he calls you by name and he sees you intimately, personally, and deeply. What would it look like for us in our mission to see people in that same way? When we're going through the hustle and bustle to recognize that that person who kind of bumped into me because they were rushing for their train has a name, they have a story, and Jesus knows that and he loves them and he wants to reach them. If I'm really honest with you, I can sometimes see people as a bit of an inconvenience just being real. I'm like going somewhere and I, and I don't stop to lift my head up because I just need to get to where I'm going. And people can be an inconvenience. I'm standing in the queue in the shopping mall, in the, in, in the um, shops and there's all these people in front of me and I'm like, you're all an inconvenience because that's where I need to be and you're standing in my way. And I don't stop to think 
that each one of those people has a name and has a story. I just see them as a bunch of people who are inconveniencing me. I am, um, um, when I'm in the pharmacy, the pharmacists in the room will know, when we're in the back, busy, looks like we're not doing anything, we are doing stuff. <laughs> Very busy. <laughs> Be nice to your pharmacist. And we've got our heads down and checking the medication to make sure it's all right. And we're also busy, heads down. And then someone will come to the counter as though I'm like, oh, and then everyone kind of goes, oh, because that person is now an inconvenience because I'm busy doing something here. Yet we forget the serving customers is our job. That's what we're supposed to be doing, not just that bit, because somehow this bit, I'm just, it's just me and, and the prescription, I'm good. The person, you're inconveniencing me. And so you sometimes, you're like, oh, and you go out and you're like, yep, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I hear you hit paracetamol, bye-bye, off you go. <laughs> you know what they said. I've never done that. So, <laughs> I'm good, I'm a good pharmacist. Confess my sins. But it's true, we're so busy, like we just don't even, I like, to, what was the person's color of hair? I don't know, I didn't really look, like I don't know. And then there are those moments where I'm paying attention to the Holy Spirit, this is most of the time, and I'm checking my prescriptions and somebody comes to the till and he says, okay, there is a human being at the till, not just like an inconvenience. And I put it down so I leave it where I can find it, I take a breath and I switch off from this and switch onto this. And as I'm walking to the counter, I'm going, this is a person who needs my help. They're here for a reason, not because they want to be here. They have a story, they have a name. Hi, how can I help you? And the look on people's faces when they know that they've been seen, it lights up. Because suddenly they're like, oh my gosh, you see me. You have time for me. You are paying attention to my needs. And I'm not an inconvenience. And usually the default will say, I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm like, no, this is my job. I'm here to listen. And there's a bunch of people behind them and, and I don't make eye contact with the people behind them because I need them to know right now, it's me and you. I'm here for you. Like, let's get this done and we'll see to everyone. Everyone can wait. It's okay. It makes all the difference when we see people as who they are and not just an inconvenience. People with a story, with a name, who God knows them and loves them. We have the opportunity to make a real difference in their life. When the woman saw Jesus and had this personal encounter with him and she runs back and she tells them, come and see for yourself. Come and experience it. So they believed her, but when they came to Jesus, they were then like, we no longer just believe because of what you said, but because we've experienced it. What would it look like for us to fully embrace and understand how much we are known and loved by the Father? How much we are seen as individuals before he ever crafted us in my mother's womb, in our mother's womb, he called us by name. He knew what we would be, he knew what we would become. And from that place to say to others, he knows you too, come and experience him. And you know, it's when we fully give ourselves to experiencing that, that it changes the way we do mission. It changes the way we, 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 we change from just saying, oh yeah, God, we want to see the thousands saved. We want to see the multitudes. It's like, we do, but those are all individual people. And we don't just want to see people as projects and, and things that we can fix or numbers that we want to tally up, but as individuals who he loves ever so dearly. As we grasp how much he knows us, 
it changes the way we see other people. You know, Jesus was on his way to Galilee. So Samaria wasn't the final destination. And there was a much easier way for him to get to Galilee. So the route he took was shorter, but because the Jews and the Samaritans had history, they, they had tension, they didn't really like each other with all these things, they just kept their distance. So the Samaritan woman was like, you're speaking to me, and I'm a woman. Like Jesus was recognized as someone who taught the law. He was, you know, a single man, and it was inappropriate in those days for him to be doing what he was doing, to be talking to this woman in public. Jesus didn't care. Jesus took the uncomfortable route to Samaria through Samaria to into Galilee. He took the uncomfortable route where he knew people would see him and immediately recognize, you're not from here, you don't belong here. But he said he had to go there because he knew what was on the way. He knew that there was an encounter that the Lord, that the Father had set up for him. And he chose to break down political, religious, social barriers, all because of this encounter with this one woman who then went on to evangelize to the rest of her town. Imagine that, this one woman, this one encounter, which he technically just shouldn't have been doing. But Jesus, he went, you know when you, you go to a, a place where people, uh, they know you're a foreigner, they hear your accent, and then they charge you more money? It's like that, it's like he, just, he went into, it wasn't, it wasn't the easy thing to do. There was another way he could have gone. But Jesus chose to step out of his comfort zone because that's where these people are. He said, I have to go to these towns and villages to preach the gospel because that is why I was sent. So he wasn't going to miss somewhere just because it wasn't cozy, just because it wasn't five star, it wasn't his ideal situation. He went there because that's where the people are. So where is your Samaria? Where is the place where those people with names and faces are that feels like an inconvenience, that feels like it's not comfortable, yet God has called you to reach them? For me, I've really recognized lately that my Samaria is my local shopping precinct. I know. So we have a local shopping precinct and there's an Asda there, but it's just, you know you have like really nice Asdas and you have really dingy Asdas. It's just, it's dingy. It's, they're like, there's, it's smaller. They don't always have the right stock. I'm like, well, if I go there, I'll probably have to end up going to the one at Eastlands, which is big and nice, and it's like fancy, and there's like other stuff there. And I'll probably have to do both, so I'll just go to Asda Eastlands and just, you know, because it's just not that great. God really challenged me lately. He's like, Lukundo, that's your street. That's your home. That's where I've called you to. I know it's dingy, but that's where the people are with the faces, with the names, with the stories that I want you to reach. Stop running away and going to the Asda. That's somebody else's neighborhood. Stay in your neighborhood. <laughs> and so the more and the more lately, I, I, I have to push myself and like, okay, I'm going into my neighborhood. And it's really nice, because then I, then I sometimes see people who I didn't know lived in my neighborhood. Like, like for me, like I saw Anna at the precinct once. I was like, oh yeah, it's like, like cool beans. Um, but suddenly I thought, oh my gosh, how, like, what am I missing out on just because I, I don't want to be uncomfortable and I, don't wanna go to the, I just want to go to the comfortable places? More and more I'm realizing my local neighborhood is my Samaria. We live on like a really nice uh, new build estate. So like, we live in Moston. So Moston Lane is like hustle and bustle. It's madness, honestly. If you drive there, it's like, it's a miracle you get through. It's hustle and bustle. So it's busy, but when you come back to our estate, it's quiet. 
It's so peaceful. So usually, if we need to go to the local shops, I won't go, Dami will go, because it's too much stress. I'm like, no, 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 it's too busy, it's hassle. I just want to stay in my nice, safe, new build estate where it's quiet. And I'll find that when I'm going out, I'll like head down, rush, rush, rush out, quickly buy something, I'm back into my safe, my safe cul-de-sac place. It's all nice and cozy. So much so to the, the other day, like one of our neighbors changed their, um, door number to a name, you know, the, the house is in, has a name now, it's very fancy. Um, I didn't notice, and we're walking down, Dami was like, that's been there for like years. I'm like, no, 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 that was a number. He's like, yeah, like years ago. <laughs> I didn't notice, because I just wanted to be in my little comfortable space. And I'm like, Lukundo, that's not cool, because God loves the people out there, and they have stories, they have faces, they have names. Where is your Samaria? I walked down the street the other day and I came across, stumbled across um, a bowling green. Like, who knew there was a bowling green? A stone's throw away from my house. And I walked in and, and I met my neighbor there and he's like, it was the men's day, so like elderly men and they were bowling. They were like, come sit down, do you want a drink? Oh, I was like, okay, okay, cool. We'll teach you how to bowl. And there I was, the rest of the afternoon. I learned how to bowl and I had to brew. These lovely old gentlemen. And then they tried to recruit me for the women's team. And at that point I was like, um, <laughs> I have a job, <laughs> I'll come visit, but. <laughs> there was so much gold out there. So much gold out there and people that God absolutely loves and wants to reach. So what would it look like for our mission if we saw people as people with a name, as people who God wants to reach and he wants to love and wants to reveal himself to them from that place of having a personal experience and encounter with him? What would it look like for us to ask the Holy Spirit where is my Samaria? Where is the place where maybe I don't feel that comfortable going? You know, there's some of us that may be called to other places and nations, where there are some of us who may be called to poorer nations. There's some of us who may be called to um, war-torn nations. That's really uncomfortable. And if God's calling you there, then heed the call. But for most of us, even if we are called elsewhere, our doorstep is where we are called to. I was speaking with Isaac and, and Tina the other day and we had a connect gathering at their house and we finished uh, praying and we were all like kind of stumbled out onto the street at the same time so we were making noise. One of the neighbors pops out and she's like, oh, what's going on? Well, like, oh, we just had a prayer meeting. We did this. She's like, oh, that's so great. I'd love to visit your church. You know, Isaac and Tina are the only people on the street who talk to us. None of our neighbors talk to us. They're the only ones. They'll always bring us something and check on us and make sure we're okay on their own street. What would it look like for us to not just see numbers on our street, but to know that there are people with names behind those doors. There are people with stories, and there are people that God has called us to reach. Why don't we stand together? And just maybe put your hand on your heart, or just a posture where you're just gonna allow the Holy Spirit to just to just dwell on that and just reveal to us and show us again the places and the people maybe we've been dodging, maybe on the commute to work, just too focused on rushing about that we forget that there are individuals with stories around us. Just allow the Holy Spirit to highlight those things. Maybe there is a particular person you see every day, never spoken to them, never said hello, 
Hello is a great way to start. Father, we thank you so much that you are the one who sees the one. That when we were far off and we didn't know you, you stopped at nothing to rescue us. You pushed down every barrier. You were as uncomfortable as it gets because you loved us and you called us by name. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would help us to live out that reality every single day of our lives. That we would be those that exude the love of the Father. That when we look into the eyes of people, they see you. They see your piercing love for them. They see that they are noticed, that they count, that they have a name, that they are someone, and they have a destiny and a purpose in you. And we thank you for the privilege that we get to partner with you and call out and call forth those destinies. Of your sons and daughters yet to be revealed. Lord Jesus, we give ourselves afresh you this morning and say, Take us, lead us to those places, to our Samarias, the places where we feel least comfortable. Help us to get down in the dirt with those you want to save. Because that's exactly what you did. You did it for us, you came for all. So Holy Spirit, breathe afresh. Breathe afresh on our hearts. Breathe afresh on our minds. That we would see ourselves the way you see us. That we can see others the way you see them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.